We are um, finishing up the section in chapter 6 about the armor of God. These are the last two pieces of armor that were given by God in our struggle, in our battle, in our wrestling match with evil. So let's read about them this morning from verses 13 through 17. Next week we're going to cover the final piece of chapter 6, which is talking about prayer, praying in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit as we pray. Um, But until then, let's keep looking at this incredible armor that God gives us. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And, here's our focus for this week, and, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So this week, we are going to be talking about, as I've uh, just shown us from scriptures, about this armor that we're gifted by God to attack the evil in our world. And I was, I had an introduction for this sermon that got all turned sideways on me. Um, Because as the week progressed, I just kept getting news from people and um, the news just kept reminding me of the darkness, the pain, the suffering in this world and in our lives. Um, It culminated as I was sitting on my couch on Saturday morning and I was putting the sermon together and I got a phone call from one of my good friends here in Charlottesville and and he said, hey, guess what? Our mutual friend um, was just in a car accident in Michigan. And I said, oh, that's terrible. And he said, yeah, he passed. And all the occupants of the car passed. There was four of them in there. It was was my friend um, and his sister and his sister's husband, and their daughter that were in the car, and a drunk driver T-boned him and took him out um, on Friday afternoon is when that occurred. And we were both talking it through and praying for one another, and I think I'll be going over to his house today. It's actually a gentleman who visited this church because um, I had asked him, hey, come, come to our church and just see what you think um, and give us some pointers on what we can do better. And so he came. And he uh, sat right here with us and, um, and then sort of had some great ideas about what we could do with the church and what we could change and what we need to keep the same. Um, just a good friend. Uh, so, again, I was just off kilter. I, I, I was just feeling the, the, the darkness, the pain. And then, of course, my news feeds start blowing up during the day um, as I'm finishing up that paragraph and I'm hearing about more mass shootings. And then there's one, and then I wake up this morning, and you guys, I'm sure, got this in your little feed on your news part of your phone of another mass shooting, and it happens to be in El Paso. So then I'm worried about uh, one of the college students who went here, who was actually a big help with the church and helped um, do, all, was an intern-like position here, and, and he's in El Paso, and so we're checking on him on Facebook. Is he okay because of the shooter there? And it, it just, I don't know about y'all, y'all might be in a great space, but it was tough. 
it just had, I just had that sense with all of the news. I just had that feeling of, man, evil just doesn't let up. It just keeps coming at us. Um, and I think that for myself, I'll, I can't speak for all of y'all in here, but I can speak for myself. We often underestimate the power of evil. I, I underestimate it. And I, um, then I have a weekend like this, and I'm caught off guard. And I'm reminded about what Paul just talked about to me and to all of us from Ephesians chapter 6 of this idea of stand firm, Nathan. Stand firm. That's, that's the whole point of what Paul is trying to introduce to us, what God is giving to us in this armor. Is the ability, as evil just keeps on coming, the, the onslaught is relentless. And Paul says, when you have this armor on, you can stand firm. You can push back. You can resist. You can have courage. You can have hope. And that's exactly where he's going to go today where God is going to direct us with the helmet of salvation and with the sword of the Spirit. Let's talk about those two things. Let's be encouraged as God continues to equip us, y'all, to deal with the danger, with the evil that is coming at all of us on a daily basis. Okay, so the two pieces we're going to talk about today are pure gift. A lot of the other pieces that, uh, Paul, of armor that Paul talks about in this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, they have to do with something that we do, right? We put on the belt of truth and we let the truth of God's word settle deep in our hearts. We put on the breastplate of righteousness uh, and then we fight against the, the evil of the devil. Well, salvation is a pure gift. Scripture is incredibly clear about that point. And so we have to understand this helmet also of salvation is pure gift. It is not something that we do. It is something that is done for us. So that's the first point about that helmet. Then we're going to move right into the sword of the Spirit. Another gift of God, which is the Word of God. It's not something we do. It's something that we're given that we then use. Okay, So that's the first little idea here is these gifts. Let's start now with the helmet of salvation. The key point here, the evil onslaught that we all feel has its roots, of course, according to the Bible, in sin. Sin entered the world really early on in the book of Genesis. It's something that is always a part of our own lives, our own hearts, and the world around us. And so sin has this incredible capability. It's got this power. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. But one of the things that it does most potently in our lives is that it twists our thinking, particularly in the area of salvation. I'm going to break that down this morning. Sin twists our thinking in the area of salvation, and thus we have this incredibly desperate need for this helmet of salvation. So the first thing that sin does to our minds in the twisting is that we get all twisted up when we get to thinking about the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin. Very early on in Scripture, Adam and Eve are sent out of the garden. 
They are removed from the presence of God, and that very removal from the presence of God, that alienation, has been with us ever since. And we feel it, and we know it, and we experience it, and it twists up our mind and this world around us. There's a penalty that came with sin, alienation from God. And this penalty also brings with it guilt, feelings of guilt. And often, I don't know about y'all, but we can't get past the guilt of things that we've done in our life. Or, if you're more like me, I've got a lot of that, certainly. But I also have a lot of the inability to get past the guilt of what other people have done to me. I can't truly forgive. I, I just feel this deep need to carry in me, to re-feel the hurts of my life. Even from when I was a child, I carry them with me. That's called resentment, re-feeling something someone has done to you. And this thinking gets into our mind, and there's a script that goes along with it. You see if you all do this too. I do this all the time. There's a script always running in our heads. You have a voice. I don't know what you call yours. I don't have a name for mine. But when you see someone or you encounter someone from your past, you often will have this thing of like, well, I would treat them better, but they did this to me at some point in the past. Or we have this script that runs above their head that says something along the lines of, if they had only loved me in this way, well, then I wouldn't have turned out that way. If they had only provided for me in this particular way, then I wouldn't be so, my life wouldn't be so hard. I wouldn't be struggling so deeply. And so we take these phrases about other people and we attach it to them and then we walk through the world and we keep that phrase on them and that phrase keeps repeating in our hearts and resentment builds and we just become an angry person. All of us have some level of anger. You can discover your anger in traffic or when somebody slams your finger in the door. It's, it, it often is a surprise for me. I'm like, Wah! my finger gets caught in the door, you know, a cuss word comes out of my mouth, and I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, that's not me. I didn't mean to do that. That is a mistake. And I apologize to my children, of course. But it's a reminder to me of it's in there. It's in there. These phrases still repeat about other people. These phrases repeat about myself. Nathan, you're a mess. Nathan, you should not really get forgiveness for X, Y, Z in your past. And again, this, this twisted thinking is from sin, and it is against God's salvation. And I'll explain that in just a minute. Okay, so that's our twisted thinking about the penalty of sin, about the past. We also have twisted thinking about the power of sin in our present. Paul describes this twisted thinking in Romans chapter 7. And he says, For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death in me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. And he goes on and he talks about the fact that he doesn't do what he wants to do and he does what he doesn't want to do. And it's no longer him who does it, but sin that dwells within him. For I know that nothing... This is Paul, verse 18 of that same chapter in Romans. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So I find... Here it is. Here it is. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. 
For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched person that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is describing in chapter 7 of Romans what we have all at some point in our life felt. This power of sin that's with us. He's like, he's like, He says right here, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. There are impulses in us. There are instincts that are good and that are God-given, right? We have the sexual drive impulse. We have the impulse for eating food, yay, for drinking good, strong drink. We have the impulse for building some sort of protection for our children and for ourselves, right? These are great things that God has given us. But the power of sin working within us immediately and almost instantly twists our thinking. And so we have to say, I need more. This shelter is not good enough. I need more. And I may have to steal to get it. Or, I, yeah, I get my sexual drive you know, satisfied occasionally, but I need more. I need more. And I need to go get it in places I shouldn't go get it. Right? These are things, sin just is always with us. That evil is close at hand. Just driving us, pulling our impulses to do the things we don't want to do and to not do the things that we want to do. And in fact, the law steps in, Paul says. The law comes in and it makes sin, their impulses to excess, even more desirable. Right? If I tell my children, when we're in our living room at our house, we have a stone slab as a coffee table. Great idea with little kids. (laughs) And sometimes glass things get put on there. Right? And so I'm like, okay, kids. Don't touch the glass thing on the table. I leave the room, go get some ice cream, come back in the room. What are they doing? What are they doing? They're handling the glass object. I'm like, there are 473 objects in this room, many of them with cushion and padding. You are welcome to go and touch all of those other padded items in here. What are they doing? They are playing with the glass item. What is it about us? What? This is what makes Paul, the apostle, he's like, wretched person that I am. I was told not to touch it. And what's the one thing I want to touch now? That. We all have this, right? The one thing you know you're not supposed to look at or you're not supposed to go to or you're not supposed to buy is the thing you're like, oh, I think I'm going to buy that. That, that. That's the one thing I really want is the thing I can't afford. Right? So we buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have for reasons that we don't understand. Woe is us. <laughs> have you ever done this? Put stuff in your Amazon card and you're like, I have, you come back a week later and you're like, I have absolutely no idea why I put that in my Amazon cart. A week ago, I needed it more than breath itself. This week, I don't even know what it is. Y'all feel it. The power of sin twists our thinking. The power of sin twists our thinking. It's something that we experience in the present. We experience the penalty of sin in the past. We experience the power of sin in the present. And then, okay, future. Sin's still around. (laughs) When you think about your future, here comes sin. Here comes evil. We get twisted thinking when we think about the presence of sin in the world. This is something we all got a little taste of this weekend or all the time when you hear about the violence in this world. 
And it brings a sense of hopelessness, doesn't it? There is no solution to this, ultimately. We know, all of you know, and this is what I told Christy, I'm like, I want to be like, I want to be indignant and, and be like, this is horrible, and oh, I'm in such pain, and I'm going to pray for those people and pray for their families, and I do, I do some. But I have my days where I'm like, it's never going to end. Okay, oh, another shooting. Probably hear about one tomorrow, right? You ever get to that point? Or it's just like the presence of sin in the world, and you know it's going to keep coming, and it's just so easy to be like, uh, forget hope. But Paul's saying that other things about that. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, here is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Same idea of the armor of God, but he doesn't say the helmet of salvation. He says the hope of the helmet of salvation. That's what we need to put on. We need to make sure, make sure we keep hope with us because the presence of sin in this world can really rob you of hope. It feels like a losing battle. You know, often people will respond to tragedy in this world. And trust me, I'm in this boat. You might be in this boat. By thinking one of two things. When hope is not present, when the helmet is not on our heads, and we got the salvation of God giving us treasures in our heart, it's easy to go one of two directions. I, gosh darn it, I'm going to build utopia on this earth. I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. Come on, y'all. Let's all get together and build utopia. Right? This is lots of very horrifically corrupt governments have decided this is what they're going to do. We're going to build the best world ever. Like, we're just going to do this, right? This was, this was the dream of Russia in uh, the uh, 19th century, the dream of Germany in the middle of the 20th century, early 20th century. This idea, we're going to build the perfect place with the perfect people, and we're going to achieve hope through our efforts. Okay, that's one, that's one angle. You can take another angle, too, of... Well, you know what? (laughs) Hakuna Matata. (laughs) It's 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 hopeless. So I'm just just get some money, get from me, watch out for number one, and let's die. Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. Right? Just just give it up completely. Okay, so those are two options. Helmet of salvation says no. The helmet of salvation comes in and says, God has got a different path for you. Let's talk about that path right now. So the purpose of the helmet of salvation is to protect us from all three of those. From the twisted thinking about the penalty of sin, twisted thinking about the power of sin, and twisted thinking about the presence of sin in this world. Now let's look at what it actually does when we get it on. Let's look at what it means for me, for you, to practice putting on this helmet of salvation. First thing, we practice forgiveness. We practice forgiveness. Salvation, catch this, from God through Jesus Christ, releases us from the penalty of sin. It's done. The gavel has come down and you, if you are trusting in Christ, have been pronounced blameless, faultless, righteous in Him. 
The penalty of sin is done. Guilt is done. That's the point of salvation. We've got to keep putting that on, y'all. Because you're going to feel the weight of sin in your life. You're going to feel the guilt. And you've got to put the helmet on and say, mm, the Bible has taught me. I already have my breastplate of righteousness, which is the righteousness of Christ given to me. And I'm wearing that. And I believe because God has told me that I'm declared righteous and I can come into His presence through Jesus Christ. Uh, you, we've got to wear it. And only when we are wearing that, when we are knowing that, when we are feeling that, when our thinking is not twisted, can we then begin to, in grace, forgive others and take those little phrases that we have placed over their heads. If you had only loved me, then I wouldn't have had that happen in my life. If you had only provided for me, then I wouldn't have had that happen. If you would only be a better blah 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 think of your friend, think of your spouse, then I wouldn't be such a blah 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 Forgiveness removes those phrases. Forgiveness is... Forgiveness is believing that someone actually has wronged you. They harmed you. You have every right, according to the justice laws of this universe, to be mad. You do. But God has said, I have forgiven you by absorbing your debt into Jesus Christ. And now, because you are in Christ, I call on you to absorb the debt of these people that have harmed you. You cannot do it outside of the power of God. It is impossible. But he says, when you get this helmet on, and you really begin to think it out, that every single one of your sins has been absorbed into Jesus Christ and that his righteous life has been given to you, you can then begin to do that for others. You can begin to absorb their debt because they owe you. Oh, they do, y'all. They owe you. And you feel it, don't you? But he says, this is a new way. This is a new path in salvation that I'm doing for you. It changes how you think about yourself and it changes how you think about others. You're no longer a piece of cow dung. You can hold your head up high. The righteousness of your life is from God. But you also can't be prideful because you didn't do it. (laughs) It was given to you. It's this perfect middle ground. It's this perfect place God wants us to live in forgiveness. You're free. Free from the penalty of sin and free from the pride of thinking you can pull yourself up with your bootstraps. What a joy. Holy mackerel. Okay. That's the first thing. This helmet of salvation frees us from twisted thinking about the penalty of sin. Then it also frees us from the power of sin. Twisted thinking from the power of sin. God says this in the Bible. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work within you. Which is a little confusing on the front end. But the point being that God is making in the Bible, is that salvation is both something that is declared about you and it is something that you work at. You actually have to work out. You have been rescued, okay? You were lying dead on the table at the hospital and you were revived from death by God out of sin, okay? It happened. And then they cut you open and did incredibly intricate heart surgery on you. God did, right? Okay, so it's done. Deed is done, declared righteous. Now, guess what? Just like your doctor, after you get home from that surgery at the hospital, you can't keep eating at McDonald's. 
That's, that's the call, right? This is the idea of work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work at it. You got it. You got to work out. You have to go to the gym every single day. You have got to have the word of God entering your body all the time. It is something that we actually participate in. Our salvation in real time, as, we break the, as God himself breaks the power of sin in us, we work. We do stuff. Um, and so that, so again, you're declared righteous and it breaks the penalty of sin. We work at breaking the power of sin in our life. Are you working today, Christian? I ask you. I have to ask myself this all the time. It's easy to get complacent. It's easy to be like, evil will stay away from me. Now, it might have gotten to those other people. It may have gotten to this other place or this person. But I'm, I think I'm doing pretty well. The reality is it's at your door. We've got to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who is at work within us. Finally, so we practice forgiveness. We practice daily workouts, um, remembering what God has done for us in our salvation. And then finally, we practice focusing on the unseen. Focusing on the unseen is where you get hope. And when you have hope, you have courage. I don't know what each of you are facing today in your life. I'm sure whatever you're facing, as you look at what's coming in your future, there's darkness, some darkness there at least, right? And it may just even be the the prospect of death one day. Paul is saying, we have got to put on this helmet of salvation and remember that one day, one day, maybe soon, rather than later for some of us, we will be freed from sin. Totally free. Amen? Amen. I mean, it's the promise of the gospel. It's the promise of, of God for us. That you will actually be who you were created to be. And the glory will be something you cannot even fathom. And this, the Bible tells us, is not being, quote, heavenly minded and not caring about the earth or not caring about the here and now. Absolutely. This is what gives you the courage to even enter the here and now and do the suffering of the here and now because you know that one day it is all going to be wiped away completely. The hope of the helmet of salvation. This is, I mean, if you think about the early Christians, the Bible recounts many of their stories. They were murdered. Like, you want to talk about mass shootings? These were like mass horrific slayings. I would much rather take a bullet than what many of the early Christians um, were having to take when they were killed for their faith. But there was one thing Paul was very clear about, that their hope came not from what is seen, but from what is unseen, from the promises that God had made them about that one day, one day, the presence of sin was going to be eliminated from their lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is, this is what it says there. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self, our body is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Where, is your, where are your eyes today? Where are you looking for your hope? Are you looking to this earth? 
Are you looking for some program or person to fix things? Because God has said, I am going to fix things, but it's not going to happen right now, right here. And I'm going to give you, through the helmet of salvation, which I want you to put on daily, I'm going to give you the courage to face whatever that next piece of suffering is in your particular journey. My goodness, are we equipped well. I mean, this is like, we're like the the construction guy or gal who's going to the workplace, who has to build an entire palace from the ground up. I mean, think about how daunting that would be, right? You've got to build an entire massive mansion with just the tools in your car. And that person is going, got it. Let's do this. This is what Paul's trying to encourage us with. You have this armor, this, this chest of armor that you can face absolutely anything that comes into your life. And you can face it with courage, with hope, with joy, with knowledge. And this particular piece is the helmet of God's salvation. Yep. We're not going to get to the sword of spirit today. Uh, sorry about that. It's a good one. Teaser alert. But if I kept going, mm-mm, mm-mm. I've been looking at how long the sermon's been going recently. Mm-mm. Let's, let's, let's focus on this helmet of salvation and um, let us conclude there as we pray. Lord God, I just, I cannot speak for anyone else in here, but I just thank you so much for the provisions you have given us in this tool set, this armor that, we've, that we have from you. Lord, I pray that if there's someone in this room, I pray for myself, Lord, that, that we would use it. Lord, I, I know that I leave it in the toolbox all the time. And I'm like, I got this because I'm just a nice person and I've got strength because I eat decent meals, Lord. But I pray that you'd break me of that, break us of that, that we would dip into this toolbox every single day. And I pray that in particular that we would pull out the helmet of salvation, that our thinking would get right, Lord, that we would think rightly about ourselves, that we would think rightly about the people that have hurt us, that we would think rightly about this proclivity we have to sin. I think, pray that we would think rightly about the despair that sometimes enters our heart because of the pain and the suffering in this world and the evil and the darkness that just keeps coming at us. Lord, we need you. We need your salvation. We need to be saved from the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. Make it real. Even here this morning as we enter your table. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.